0: My mother went to a church that uh, some of the older folks out in the country wanted to act like city folk, got to putting on the church robes and all that mess. Then my dad told my mother, said, there's one thing, if you marry me, I'm going to make the decision where we go to church. An old preacher from up the mountains of North Carolina, born over in eastern Tennessee, Brother Mike Hodge started pastoring over at Aby's Chapel Baptist Church, and my dad made the decision when he married my mother that they were going to go to church there. If my dad had not had that conviction, and he would have raised me in my mother's church, I would have never known Mike Hodge, I'd never known Percy Ray, I'd never known, and I might have said this other night, but the power, the impact of that one decision. All the great preachers that I've ever known come as a result of that one decision. So important in life. Most important thing in life, number one, is being saved. Number two is who you marry. Number three is where you go to church. And that second and third one are twins. So important. You mess up there, you'll never accomplish in life what you could. And your offspring will pay for eternity if you make the wrong choice. So important that we walk close to God. So important that these young folks are saved at an early age so that they can know the mind of God. Thank God for the grace of God that we can tell a man in the ditch about. But I don't want you getting in the ditch to find out God will forgive. I'd rather you not know sin than to know forgiveness. Now, amen. You think about that a while. I'd rather you not. I'd rather you be pure and walk down a marriage aisle, than have to beg God to forgive you because you didn't. Because there's some things you can never take back. There's some things that will diminish you that you can never be the same, and you better know that. Now we praise God for the blood of Christ and the grace of God, but those of you, there's some of us in this building tonight. If we could go back and do things over, we sure would do things different. So may God help you to heed the warning and do. And I want you young folks to know there's a great battle going on, but God wants you. I can stand here tonight and tell you there's not a person in this room that the Lord doesn't love. And Christ died for you, gave his all, and you don't have to worry about him casting you out. He will take you in. Here in John chapter 3, verse number 1, I guess I need to read several of these verses here. You know them probably by heart. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the Lord's putting the emphasis on all of that. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You say, well, what's the big deal? That's evident. The big deal is 99.9% of the Pharisees would not even admit that. They said he come from Beelzebub. They said that Christ is demon possessed. Nicodemus comes recognizing there's no way that a man can do what you're doing except you come from God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Well, that's a rational conclusion of what Christ said. But the problem is you don't rationally figure out God. Verse 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There, I know you've heard this before, there's every sinner's parents, everybody's got two parents, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I say that so you can understand it. You got a mom and a daddy. You got birthed in the family of God by the Holy Spirit. He's like your mother. The Word of God's the seed. That was implanted by the Spirit of God that gave you faith to believe the gospel and work repentance in your heart that you might come to God and surrender and humble before Him and confess your need. For if you don't have a need, you'll never get a Savior. Amen. I believe verse 6, one of the most important verses in all the Bible. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that's all it is, ever can be, and that's all it can ever produce. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That means God gives you a new nature when He saves you, a nature like unto God. That's why the saved man desires the things of God, because He's given the nature of God. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Why, Nicodemus, are you surprised? Well, you've read the Old Testament. You ought to know what's been prophesied. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearst the sound thereof. Canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone born of the Spirit. There's the Spirit being likened unto the wind see the wind, you can't see the wind, but you feel the wind, see the effects of the wind, that type of thing. Hear the wind. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, Testify that we've seen. You receive not our witness. Have I told you of earthly things and you believe not? Talking about the physical birth. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Talking about the spiritual birth. And what he's saying is, Nicodemus, you ain't made the connection yet. And you're a master in Israel. Do you know tonight if you understand the gospel and you're saved, you know more at five years old than this master, doctor of theology did when he met Christ? I'm talking about salvation now no man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven even the son of man that is in heaven and here's the verse and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believed in him should not perish have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish would have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Two years ago in the month of January, the Oklahoma Sooners played the Florida Gators for the national championship. Tim Tebow, whom the best I can tell is a real born-again Christian. I believe he is. Tim Tebow had on his face. And you know, because of him, they've outlawed that now. They won't let these players put anything on their face because Tim Tebow kept putting Bible verses. He put John 3.16. Now, when I was a boy growing up watching the NFL every Sunday after church, I'd see all these placards in the end zone. Between, I don't know how they always got those places, but some Christian or somebody said they were, would be there holding up John three sixteen ever stadium in America. Tim Tebow. Of course, the Florida Gators beat the Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, on Friday morning, Guess what the most Googled phrase in America was? You got it. America showed her absolute ignorance of the Bible. They Googled John three sixteen to find out what it meant. You talk about sad. You talk about tragic. 103 million Americans claim to be born again. <laughs> you about got a life at that. I can't even believe that many claiming. I'd be ashamed. Lord, help. They ain't 10% of America saved. I don't know what it is, but it ain't much. There's not even a whole lot in Baptist churches, let alone America. Don't talk to you tonight on the Son of Man lifted up. I believe Nicodemus is one of the most distinguished religious leaders in all of the nation of Israel. He was a teacher in Israel, not only a teacher, but Christ called him a master in Israel. That means he was in the upper escalon of all the religious leaders. In those days, when you became a master, they put a key around your neck. That's what Christ was was alluding to when he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. And they'd give. Nicodemus no doubt came in his great priestly garments with his key around his neck of his great achievement as a master in Israel of theology. Now his whole life has been dedicated to the study of the scripture. He's achieved what every man desired to achieve in that day. He sat on the 70 member Sanhedrin court which was the the high court or the supreme court, uh, like in our day. He was a Pharisee, meticulous in the law of Moses. He had made a vow that every waking moment of the day he would spend in dedication uh, to the Ten Commandments and keeping the law of God, gaining the favor and the blessing of God. Now, the Bible didn't say this, but Jewish history says that Nicodemus was one of the three most wealthiest men in all of Israel and that's important to know that. Notice he came by night. Now we know the analogy there he came by night to the light of the world because the darkness that was in his soul. Have you ever thought about this? Why Nicodemus came at night? I know we surmise about his uh, being ashamed of the Lord and how he would be ostracized by the Pharisees. That may be so. I wonder is it possible that he came by night because he is under so much conviction he could not wait until morning. Wouldn't that be something oh Nicodemus knew something was missing all the rules all the regulations uh, have still there's something that's eluded him and it's that heartfelt assurance of having peace with God of being reconciled to God of the assurance of salvation when one of the popes died back in the 60's my dad told me that his personal physical gave and bore testimony of the last days of that Catholic Pope. And that Pope was in misery of soul. And over and over he would say, I'm supposed to be the vicar of Christ if only there was somebody that could pray for me. And that Pope died in gray ah! Uh, de- uh, 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 anxiety of soul that doctor went public and told that story and they run him out of Rome as being a doctor how sad that when you do all you can do go uh, jump through all the hoops of religion no peace no confidence no assurance no hope that you're right with God and ready to meet God now Nicodemus I think of this man and uh, uh, not only was he a sinner he was a religious sinner but like sinners he came to Christ now young folks he didn't know how to ask the question he knew something was wrong but he didn't know how to ask it a lot of times we're that way we know something's wrong but we don't know how to articulate the question in John 3 3 verily verily Christ is about to tell him of what's really in his heart that he don't even understand verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God now the important thing there is Christ said I say unto thee that settles the argument if that's what Christ says that ends all debate a man must be born again now why did Christ present this in this way he knew this man had memorized the Pentateuch he prided himself in his knowledge of the law of God and the prophets of God I'm talking about a master of theology he well had read Ezekiel 36 about the stony heart being removed and the fleshly heart being put in in other words that stony heart that hates the holiness of God, that stony heart that's full of pride and that stony heart that's full of selfishness being replaced where a man loves God more than himself, loves God the things of God more than his own interest. What does that? The new nature that God gives us. Now, when a man gets that, he's got something inside that gives him uh, the ability and the desire to please God. That new nature that God put in me has never wanted to sin. It's never wanted to disobey God. How that old nature of God in me does. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away, and the old all things are become new, what? has become new. Not that old nature, but that new nature. Everything God did in the born again experience has become new. Oh, thank God uh, for that. Here's a man that uh, Christ is telling uh, that his sins can be blotted out. Uh, Nicodemus, at the best I can tell, is an old man. And here the Lord is telling him that Emmanuel He can have a new start. He can have a new life he can have a new beginning because of what God does when he changes the heart and makes a that great creation that God does on the inside he makes a man a new creature now Nicodemus oh what the Lord is trying to say a man has got to be born again what's that mean? it means born of God it means born from above what did he say? how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Christ said, If I talk to you about the physical birth, you can't make the connection that I'm speaking in spiritual terms. Then how can you understand the things of God? Now watch this. Except a man be born again, damn he cannot see that doesn't mean go to heaven that means understand you cannot understand see the kingdom of God is it not amazing that the very day God birthed you in the family of God how you understood things you never understood before it's like the light come on that's what God does verse 13 no man hath ascended up to heaven he that came down from heaven even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, what Christ is doing is setting Nicodemus up for the gospel. Notice what he said. Oh, the Lord has, puts the emphasis on one word that you need to remember. The Son of Man. That's the word. Where did he get that phrase? He got it from the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel will tell you that the Son of Man is the Messiah. When Christ claimed to be the Son of Man, he is telling Nicodemus who he is. Now, when Christ stood before Caiaphas and Annas, they accused him of blasphemy and uh, convicted him of that. Because of this very thing that Christ claimed from the book of Daniel. Oh, but in the days of Christ, uh, there, all those superstitions and traditions had been handed down. They believed that sometimes the saints of God, who were very holy, would go to heaven and come back to this earth as God's messengers. What did Christ say? He is uh, uh, taking out that uh, heresy he said I want you to know, no man hath ascended up to heaven this is before the cross this is before the shed blood this is before Christ went down to the heart of the earth and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men and took those out of Abraham's bosom and took them to heaven after he put the blood on the mercy seat he said no man hath ever ascended to heaven now he wouldn't say that now but he said it then no man I want you to know listen to me now Nicodemus I'm not a saint that died and went to heaven and have come back as God's messenger. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man which is in heaven. Christ walked in such communion with the Father, though his body was here, it's like his spirit was there. An unbroken fellowship that Christ had with God, the Father. Oh, thank God Day when we die, all oh, that's changed. We do ascend to heaven because the blood has been placed on the mercy seat. Now Nicodemus asked this: How can these things be? What's he talking about, young folks? Here's the answer: How can a man be born again? What's the means of it? How does God bring that to pass? How is that possible? What work do I do? What catalyst has to be used? By what means does God provide the new nature or the new birth that was prophesied in Ezekiel 36? Now, that's exactly what God would do to the house of Israel when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. But thank God everyone saved in the church age gets that blessing of having the nature of God put within them. Verse 14, here's how God provides salvation. Here's how God provides the catalyst for the new birth. Here's how God makes it possible for a sinner to be just and right with God and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now the Jew did not believe that Christ would have to be lifted up. His own disciples didn't for a long time but they were looking for Christ to be lifted up on the kingly throne of David. But before Christ will ever rule, he must pay the sin debt and he rules as king in the hearts of those he saves by his grace. Now this is a a reference here. Why did Christ not say, you know, Nicodemus in the book of Numbers what it says? Because he well knew that Nicodemus had that whole thing memorized and could tell him what it was. So he talks about this serpent on a pole. Now Nicodemus prided himself, no doubt, in his knowledge of the Bible. He knew this story. What he did not know is that the foundation of all sin, I'm talking about the root of all sin, is unbelief. That's what a man goes to hell for, unbelief. Numbers 21 verse 5, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why did they do that? Unbelief. The journey in the wilderness had got so hard and so difficult and so frustrating. But the reason that it took 40 years instead of a few weeks was because... Of their unbelief. Ten different times they tempted God with their unbelief. They accused him. They doubted his word. They doubted his promise. They questioned his love. They chatted with his servant. They despised his provision. They rejected his authority and verse 6 now watch this now this is right before Joshua is going to lead them to Canaan land Miriam's just died Aaron has just died in Numbers 20 and now this is the new generation here this is not the daddies and mamas that didn't believe God but this these are the children of the moms and dads that did not believe God and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they uh, bit the people and much people of Israel died now that word "fire" it means red it's got the idea of an agonizing burning of a high fever Uh, it's got the idea uh, it it is such a uh, debilitating disease that it shuts down the nervous system for these are the coral snakes that were found in the wellness verse 7 of Numbers 21 therefore the people come to Moses now before I go on watch what Christ is doing he's talking to Nicodemus like you would talk to a child You say, what do you mean? How do you get a child to understand something? You illustrate it. You draw a picture. And and I'm not putting you down. I'm the same way. And since we by nature are full of darkness, the Lord paints a picture. That's what he's doing. That Nicodemus. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we sin, sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against thee, praying to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now God has judged them because of their attitude and their unbelief toward God and against God's servant. Now they plead, a man must have a mediator. Him and God the Father that's got power with God the Father and compassion on man that's why Christ became a man it's not that God the Father doesn't love us he's one that sent Christ to bridge the gap Christ as the son of God could have never died for you but Christ as the son of man can pay the sin debt for man's sin and a man must pay the sin debt a man must be tempted like Adam was and not sin and Christ did not he could not, he was God if he is just a man he could have but he was the God man but it took a man it took the God man like Moses here is the mediator between the Israelites and God had to find somebody that was right with God that God would accept their prayer that's exactly what Christ is so powerful he said to the father thou hearest me always and there's one God one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. Now Moses becomes a mediator, the agent of mercy on the behalf of the people. He says, Now, God, they've sinned, you've sent snakes, and the snakes have bit them. Now, what's the remedy? That's the question. Many of them's already died. Lord, if you don't do something, we're all going to die. What's the remedy? The fiery serpents are a picture of sin. The, the demonic uh, and also the Adamic nature, sin, has bitten every person in this world and injected the venom of sin. That's what all of this is about. Nicodemus, even you, the master of Israel, has you've been bit by that snake and you've been injected with the poison of sin. And I'm about to tell you by illustration what I'm going to do to remove that poison and remove uh, that degradation and misery that sin brings and it's going to be through the Son of man being lifted up. Now, this snake here is so powerful, as I said, because it affects the nervous system. It won't be long, Eric, until you can't move. It won't be long you can't lift up your hand. It won't be long that you can't walk. Now, they look to God. Here's the best thing they've ever done. They look to God uh, of whom they've sinned against. Young folks, listen to me. You have not sinned against me, not, not primarily, not in the priority of what's important. You've sinned against God. I've sinned against God. Therefore, only God can forgive me. Therefore, God gets to set the rules of how he will forgive. These people have sinned against God. He sent the fiery serpent. And now the Lord through Moses is letting them know how that they can be healed from the bite of that serpent. And God sent me here on a Monday night as a servant of God to let you know how you can be healed from the injection of that poison that sin has got in you. And the devil, the cure must come from God. The cure must come from heaven. You must be born again. Got to be born from above. Got to be born of God. If they're going to get a remedy for this snake bite, it must come from God and from heaven. Only God can provide a way. Folks, it's got to be the way of mercy and grace. It can't be any other way. You're laying on the ground. Your old throats are swelling up. That's the last thing that happens. Cuts off your wind and you die. You can't do any good works. It's too late to run to the temple and join somebody's church and get baptized. If God doesn't have grace and mercy and provide a way of simplicity without works. They don't have a prayer. They're all going to die. God commanded Moses to make a brazen serpent. And put it on a pole, lift it up in the midst of Israel. Now, a brazen serpent within itself cannot heal, no more than a crucifix can, no more than rosary beads can, no more than the rituals can, no more than the ordinances of the church, which are the Lord's Supper and baptism can. The remedy must be supernatural, the power of God must be brought to bear. God told Moses or Moses said to the Lord we have sin and sin must be acknowledged if you're going to get healing from this fiery serpent bite this brazen serpent was God's exclusive remedy there was not a plan B There was not an option C. There was one remedy. And that remedy was to look by faith to that brazen serpent. And that was the only way that a man could be healed. And the only way, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This way of salvation is exclusive to Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way. Verse 8 of Numbers 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Now, all you dear women, I know what you're thinking. The very mention of a serpent makes you recall A serpent is repulsive to us. We hate snakes, especially the ones that are poison. Christ hanging on a cross is repulsive to the eye. Him being beaten and bruised and mangled and strips of his flesh hanging from his back. Yeah, and the Bible says that you could not even recognize him. Amen. His head swollen up, eyes about swollen shut. It would have been an awful monstrosity. What am I saying? He even Christ, the perfect Son of God, when he became sin, when God the Father imputed your sin and mine on him, even the rose of Sharon became a Sin does. It makes you ugly in the eyes of God. Christ became sin. He became ugly because of our sin. To give you the beauty of his righteousness and redemption. This remedy was infallible. Infallible. Not a person that looked by faith. Not a one of them was not healed. If you're not saved tonight... It's because you've never looked by faith. God can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. If you've looked by faith, you're saved. If you've not, you're not. Moses made a serpent of brass. This serpent represents us, our sin. Christ became sin and the judgment fell on him. He bore my sin. He bore, he died my death. He suffered my pain. He endured my punishment. Listen to this. The brazen serpent speaks of sin that's been judged. The cross is a picture of sin that's been judged. That's why you don't have to be judged. Because God the Father judged Christ in your place. The law of God. Uh, uh, absolutely demanded that the debt be paid. The law must be fulfilled. The commandments of God have been broken. Christ, uh, uh, you think about what sin does. It It produces a debt. That debt is death. Somebody has got to die. Like that song made popular a few years ago, blood bought my freedom, someone had to die. The American soldier died that I might have liberty and freedom in America, but Christ died to give me freedom and liberty. The law demands death the law demands execution either you've got to die or someone's got to die in your place I'm so glad thank God he did he satisfied the law of God he satisfied the justice of God the cup of iniquity was poured out upon Christ and the wrath of God was poured out upon him because of your sin and mine but thank God God got satisfied and God got justified and God got pleased Because of what Christ did. Amen. Sin's bitten you. And when you got bit by that snake. At birth. Even in conception. The poison runs in your veins. They say that 5.5 million people a year. uh, Are bitten by snakes in this world. Think about that. 5.5 million people. But I'll tell you something worse than that. All six billion that's alive on this earth have been bit spiritually, bar none. Never been a man since Adam, born in the human race, that doesn't have this venom in them and this poison of sin. And that venom brings great misery. Think about, do you know of anything more debilitating than your nervous system starts shutting down? and you can't breathe, can't even move your hands, they try to clear your throat. You can't even stand up to try to go get some help. That's why the Bible says, when we were without strength, Christ died for us. Oh, think about it. The great misery that sin causes of oh, the damage that it does. Oh, of those 5.5 million that get snake bit every year, 400,000. Amputees are a result of that. Legs gone, arms gone, fingers gone, toes gone, amputating things up to 125 thousand die worldwide most of them in third world countries and they're about all at night time in the dark when them poor natives are sleeping on the ground are you listening oh I tell you the devil loves darkness and he causes misery and the heartbreak and the heartache and all the separation and the bondage and the slavery that the venom of sin causes I'm talking about a Poison that causes great misery. Now who's picturing this? Jesus. He's one telling you. He's giving you a perfect illustration of what's wrong with us. We've been bit by the serpent. We've got flowing in our veins poison. If it wasn't for that, man would have never died. If sin wasn't in our body, we could not die. The reason we die is the principle of sin or the rebellion, the retribution. But thank God the remedy, make a serpent of brass. This brass in the Bible speaks of the judgment of God. Not gold, not silver, but brass. God is meticulous in his types of Christ. Make a serpent and make it a brass. Listen to me. God said, Nicodemus, for you to give the new birth, sin must be judged. Make that serpent, make that, uh, that serpent of sin, make it out of brass because it's got to be judged. Brass is a common metal. The Lord did. Another reason he didn't say get gold or silver because Christ came as a common servant, not as a king. I'll tell you, nobody that day that looked at that servant and lived. Not a one of them. God help till they acknowledge they'd been bit. Think about this: looking was a physical act but it demonstrated faith in God to heal. When they brought the Old Testament sacrifice, Hebrews plainly tells you the blood of goats and bulls could never take away sin. That was a physical act that demonstrated faith in God to heal. That one day God would provide a sacrifice. Only those under the sentence of death Can look and live. Now, if you got bit five minutes ago, you don't understand the seriousness of it. But if you've been watching somebody that's been bit for hours and they're dying and they've lost their breath, you know what's coming. If you're five years old or six years old, you're under the sentence of death. You're going to die. That day's going to come. Only those that understand they're under the sentence of spiritual death can be saved. That old sinner or that man bit, that woman bit, that teenager bit, that child bit by the serpent can't promise to do better. They can't promise to give to the poor. They can't promise to do anything. All they can do is look by faith and live because it's a word of God. And if you do what God said, he'll honor that faith you know something else it doesn't matter how severe the wound is it doesn't matter if you got bit five minutes ago or five hours ago ain't got nothing to do with how bad the bite is or how long it's been you being bit it's the same cure for everybody same cure for a 70 year old man is for a 7 year old boy or a 7 year old girl the miracle was not in the eyes it was not in the vision it was in faith Looking physically at the uplifted serpent day and night. Brother Jesse, we could take a man and set him in front of that of that uh, brazen serpent lifted up on a pole from the very minute he got bit to the minute he expired in this life. And if all he did was look, he'd die. Have that sickness, it's not just looking, it's looking by faith. It's believing. When you do look, that that's what God said, and he'll heal you if you'll look. A lot of folks ask God to save them, but they never believe he does. They never exercise faith. They don't take God at his word, and that's what God demands. What are you going to believe? God's provision to heal. The thief on the cross, cross told Christ, I'm getting what I deserve. But I sure would appreciate it if, Lord, you'd remember me. Now, this is another sermon at another time. It is astounding to my mind. Number one, uh, types are not broken, so he's on the right hand of Christ. The left hand always represents rebellion. Right hand's a place of power. Had old thief on the right side. What was happening that day, Christ was so miraculous. Christ was so unlike any man that he ever knew. Somehow he believed that Christ was Lord and that Christ could forgive him and that Christ had a kingdom, had the power to take. Into that kingdom, and that God had enough grace and mercy that day, that thief looked and thanked God he lived. When you look at Christ by faith, you'll get saved every time. Jesus said, This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now that thieves are hanging on the cross. What's that tell you? The same thing that man a dying of that snake bite. It's gotta be by grace. What can that thief do for God? He can't work. He can't sing in a choir. He can't be a deacon. he can't tithe. He can't do good works. He's about to die. Sin is not just an act, A-C-T. It is a nature. God's not so upset with what you've done. He's upset with what you are. Sin is a nature our whole being has been affected by our nature. That's why we're selfish and independent and jealous and envious and mean and all that stuff. That's a manifestation of the flesh. Now you might not be like Jeffrey Dahmers. You might be like Nicodemus. Just religious handle laws. But the whole being has been affected. When a man gets snake bit, that pause and goes over all of his body. And he's a sick from From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He needs total deliverance. That venom of sin has affected the whole body. That means there's a universal need. God didn't have five ways of salvation back then. When those snakes bit those people. He had just one. And it was a universal need with a universal answer and remedy. The snake or the serpent. The brazen serpent had to be lifted up on a pole. Now, anybody reading the Bible in the most flippant way surely can see what this is all about. Christ said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I believe, listen to me, more than what Christ said about the new birth. Nicodemus could not relate to that, but he can this. He can relate to this story. I believe this is what Christ used to open his eyes up for the need of a Savior. Christ was lifted up on the cross, publicly exhibited for every man. In that day to look upon the brazen serpent, boy, had a distance when the sun's shining. You look at that brazen serpent, had a distance. And that brazen serpent uh, looks red. It's reddish in color. What color was that snake? It was red. But what's the antidote over that same nature that's being judged by God? It's the red rich royal blood of Jesus Christ. And they looked that day at a distance. They saw a blood red serpent. That's what I see on the cross of Calvary. Out of his side came blood and water and no sin. The poison was injected in Jesus Christ. Thank God his blood God was the antidote for our sin. His blood shed to redeem us. I'll say more about that in a minute. That brazen serpent, you've seen brass when it's just been put through the fire, how shiny that it is. Boy, that, bra- that brazen serpent uh, shining in the sunlight reflected the beams of the brightness of the glory of God. God's greatest glory was the cross. His greatest glory was Jesus Christ dying for us. Eyes have been turned from self and works, and religion. When a man's laying on the ground about to die, he's got to look away from religion and away from himself and what he can do and cling only to that brazen serpent that God provided to heal him of the snake bite. I will tell you something else. Here's a man walking through the camp and said, Now, I've come to analyze this thing. All you folks bitten by that serpent, let's try to figure out what this means. Let's try to understand how a brazen serpent can heal a man of a snake bite. Hey, don't try to understand, don't try to figure out salvation. You'll go to hell doing that. I've been saved a long time and ain't figured it out yet. There's a lot of it that's mysterious. And I've said this before, the new birth is mysterious because it's invisible. If it was an open heart surgery, it wouldn't be so complicated to understand. Hey, you don't have to understand. Just look by faith that that's what God said. And that's enough. The pole's lifted up. where did he say to lift that pole up? In the midst. Did you know Jerusalem's the navel of this world? Jerusalem is the center of this world and Christ was lifted up in the midst of all the nations. And it matters not red, yellow, black, white, purple, pink, gold, or orange. Anybody looks to him can live. Thank God for that. Nobody's called. Nobody's rejected. If they'll look by faith, they can live by the power of God. All those that looked, Did it take them 10 days to get better? No. They were healed at once. They were healed immediately. They didn't have to look twice to get healed. They looked one time the brazen serpent was sufficient the remedy was a result of the mercy and grace of God the brazen serpent and notice the remedy was in the likeness of a serpent Christ came in the likeness of the flesh without the sin nature and Christ on the cross didn't just die for my sin he didn't just die in my place he became me he became the serpent he became the sin nature he became sin for us and God judged him because he saw you and me when he died the way of salvation I'm going to tell you this the way of salvation was for everybody but it was the same for everybody the same parents couldn't look for the children You have a little 8 year old boy 9 year old girl got bit by that snake mom and daddy could tell them what they should do What they had to do, but they couldn't do it for them. As much as they loved them, they couldn't do it for them. Everyone had to look for themselves. Christ is bearing our sins. That's what this is all about. Taking our place. The brazen serpent. Sin. Being judged by a holy God, Christ. Thank God when I see that brazen serpent, I see my sin bear. But when I see Christ as the lamb, I see my sacrifice. What did John say in John 1.29? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm going to tell you this and give you an illustration. I'm done. Why does the Bible call Christ the Lamb? Well, there's a lot of obvious reasons. One was his surrender and submission and his silence. And uh, that the Lamb was the symbol of sacrifice. Above all animals, even in the days of Abraham, it was a ram caught in the thicket. It speaks of Christ's splendor, of his purity. White as wool speaks of how pure God can make us through the shed blood. It was a lamb that was shed the blood was shed on the Passover, and that blood applied to the doorpost in the little. Christ is known as the shepherd of the sheep. Christ is known as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. before man ever sinned, before man was ever a sinner, God had a remedy for that sin, aren't you glad? Get in the connection with the snake bite. If you get a snake bite, you need an antidote. You know, the most, probably the most popular way today that they come up with an antidote is through the blood of a lamb. Did you know that? The blood of a lamb can repel uh, the snake bite. Antidote, listen to this, antidote for snake's venom comes from the blood of a lamb, the most popular of all animals. That doctor goes and he injects that, uh, that little lamb with a little bit of snake venom. Goes back a little later. Puts more snake venom in that lamb's blood bit by bit. And the protein in that lamb's blood will fight off that poison. And the cells become stronger and stronger. Under the most deadliest of all snakes cannot kill that lamb. What does the Bible say in the book of Revelation? That the devil is that old serpent and the venom is sin when Christ was arrested by those uh, temple guards and taken before the ecclesiastical and the civil trials Pilate ordered him to be beaten 39 times I'm telling you the, uh, the sin the payment for sin was being injected in the body of Christ on the cross of Calvary that lamb had that poison injected in him when they nailed him to the cross put a crown of thorns upon his head but thank God his blood was the antidote and when all the sin of all the world was put upon Christ thank God his blood was the antidote for you and the antidote for me and I lived tonight because I looked and lived I looked at a lamb that was crucified for me I looked at the lamb of God Jesus Christ who gave his all and his life for you and for me. Jesus Christ gave it all. He didn't give part of it, he gave it all. You know what the Lord prophesied? And I, I believe with all my heart in the Garden of Eden, his Jesus Christ that walked with Adam, without a doubt. And he told him when he judged him. He said the seed of the woman will bruise He said, the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's uh, head, and that old serpent will bruise your heel. Christ was bruised at the cross, but he wounded the head, and the head represents the power and the authority of Satan. Now, Christ said, Nicodemus, if you're serious, you can be born again, but you can't as long as you're looking at yourself And your religion and how good you are, how much Bible you know, your intellectual power, how much you give away. Nicodemus, if you really want to be born again, if you really want to be saved, you got to look away from your religion and from the Sanhedrin and from Judaism and look to Christ and you got to look by faith. The preaching of the cross is foolishness unto them that perish but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. And you see the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Philistines and the Egyptians and the Jebusites and Gergesites and the rest of them Atsites and everything else in the land that came out walked by see that breeze and serpent lifted up on a pole, and they laugh and snigger and mock and sneer that the Jews have got faith in such a thing. That's what they're saying today. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'll miss the fires of hell because I look one day by faith. And I've lived ever since, and I'll live forever. Don't look at your wounds, don't look at your sin. Don't even look at the misery of the bite or the poison. Don't look at the serpent. Get your eyes off the devil. Whatever you do, don't look to Moses. Don't look to the law and keeping it. Don't look to religion. Look to Christ. Everyone that's bitten, first thing you gotta do is know you've been bit. Not only you been bit, that poison going to take your life. It's already took your spiritual life. It's going to take your physical life. But that God made a way so simple. If it had been any more complicated, look how hard it is for us to get as easy as it is. Well, if God made it hard, nobody would ever get saved. Look how simple it is. I'm sure they walked by that day and they're, they're laying there on the ground, a bunch of them's done dead, a bunch more of them's are dying. And I hear a man say to his wife, she said, honey, if you want to, if you want to live, do what God said. If you want to see your children get married and have children, do what God said. He said, honey, I would, but it can't be that easy. And the Bible says multitudes will stumble over the simplicity of Christ. Look and live. You say, how do you trust Christ? Well, it's sort of like, I guess it's like this. If you go to the doctor and you're about to die and the doctor's got some medicine and you got enough faith in him to administer and then you got enough faith and, and well, really, you ain't got a choice. I mean, what else are you going to do but take it? But you got enough faith to believe it'll work, at least to take it. I guess it's sort of like that. You're sick in sin, you're poisoned by sin, and you trust God's remedy. You believe it. You believe it. You believe it. He said, how do you believe it? By believing it. <laughs> you set down in that chair, that's natural faith. You believe that chair will keep you up. I'm clinging to one I've got all confidence can save me. Not because I cried enough and prayed enough and promised enough and quit enough, but because by faith. See, if he hadn't given me a repentant heart, I wouldn't have been willing to look nohow. But I had a repentant heart, and I looked by faith, and it gave me life to stand their feet.